Welcome back to the Overtime Operators. You're here with Casey at Niners underscore Fanman. Follow me on socials, and I've got a new guest today, or really a- another co-host that that our audience is meeting for the first time at Triple Cross. John, the one, the only John Coyle. John, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be on on the Money Show. The Money Show is the show for me. I think. Yeah, I like money. I mean, you're, you're a money and guy. And I like YouTube shows. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a money guy. So let's do this. Let's talk money. Um, but let's get into major news first. First up, we got uh, last week I saw the show. Daps is super hot on JT. He said, I don't care if he's going to be on the pup. The value is going to be there. Just draft him. JT is Jonathan Taylor. Sorry. Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts uh, is still on the pup. That means he is out for the first four weeks. Do you think the value is there if you drafted him? I mean, obviously, it depends on how much his ADP dropped, which I don't know for sure. You you probably have a better uh, feel for that than I do. Yeah, so as I recall, you know, I mean, we, we put out a lot of content, but as I recall, uh, just to shoot Daps a little bit of bail, I don't think he predicted that he would actually land on the pup. Uh, right. That shooting was before that news came out. I think he was still hopeful that he would make it, maybe miss a week or two, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and that he would still just be valuable enough to have to take in uh, rounds one, round two, wherever. That is not the case. Pretty much immediately after we wrapped that show, uh, the news came out that JT, the holdout, would continue and or the injury, which is kind of up in the air whether that's a real thing or not. Uh, might just be, you know, oh, ouch, you know, Ugh, can't play, I'm hurt, uh, when really contract stuff is going on. So he is indeed out for the first four weeks in fantasy drafts since that time, since that news came out. He has slid is the wrong word. It's not enough of a word. He's taken a free fall down Mm. draft boards and his ADP went from in the first, maybe the second round down into ninth, 10th round. Basically, if we had an updated version of ADP, of course, the actual ADP on platforms doesn't move that fast, but that's where he ended up going in a lot of drafts is, is that late. I mean, depending on how your draft shook out for you, I actually don't hate that value in the ninth or 10th round. I, yeah, I, I would yeah. take a J. I would take a Jonathan Taylor in the ninth or tenth round, especially if I needed running backs. And I'd just say, hey, I'll hobble through the first four weeks of the season and then I'll have the freaking pick of the draft after that. One hundred percent at that value at that that cost. The value is definitely there. JT is a guy when he gets onto the field, regardless of what team he suits up for, you know, a trade could still materialize. He could still yeah. end up on a different roster. Uh, the thing to keep in mind is any team that trades for him, they they paid up to get him so they're going to use him and mm-hmm. same thing goes with the colts if he suits up for them they're going to use him they're one of the most running back needy teams in the league right now so you know people made the joke all the time that you know what teams could be in on jonathan taylor as in like which teams need rb help and a lot of the the media pundits like the indianapolis colts that's yeah. the team that comes to mind uh so either way when jt does hit the field this season assuming he does uh, he will be worth it. That's the only major risk you run is does JT have the uh, the gumption to sit out an entire season, pull a Levy and Bell, and uh, just just give up some money and, and try to find a better situation next year? I don't know. We still don't know. There's a lot of mystery in this pick. Uh, but if you ended up with Jonathan Taylor in rounds 8, 9, 10, I think it's probably a decent value. And if not, there's plenty of players you take in that range that never turn into anything. So... He's just one of those. The gumption. Does he have the gumption? Right. Does he have the stones? As it were. Not to. But last last note on it. Not to mention, if you're in a keeper league where you keep players for the same price you drafted them uh, into the next year, 
getting somebody like JT in the ninth, tenth round, mm. he's automatically going to be the best value on your team. He will be your keeper, uh, and then yeah. you'll win your league the next year. So that's actually a great point. Especially, it's like if you're in a money league that plays every year, like I mean, you you could still play pretty well this year with him, but definitely tons of value. Like you're not going to out, you're not going to get any better value than that next year. So um, that's good. That's enough for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we'll see if he has the gumption. The wit, the courage, the, the nuts, the yep. balls, the balls, the cojones, the cojones, as it were. Um, let's talk T. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, questionable for week one, hyperextended the knee on Tuesday. As of shooting, that is yesterday for us. Um, I think this will probably be posted today or tomorrow. So, I mean, might be up, might be an update uh, before then because he is slated to play on Thursday. So if we get this video up tomorrow, maybe the, the news will be more updated. We're kind of hour to hour there. Uh, hyperextension is no joke, and Travis Kelsey is not young. What do you think about this? Sure. Uh, Travis Kelsey isn't the spring chicken that he once mm. was. He is the most established, probably the goat tight end already. And if not, he's clearly on the trajectory to be that in the NFL. Uh, hyperextension, sure. Not a is a serious injury, but injuries happen in football. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey's going to have a great season. I would still bet on, but week one is really up in the air, and I tend to lean towards he's probably not going to play. So if so. you own a player like Travis Kelsey in your fantasy lineups, hey, I'm the fantasy guy. I bring it all back to fantasy. Really, uh, you need to be looking for a pivot immediately because yeah, that game is is coming up. It's quick. It's the opening day game, and you have to be able to 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 replace that production somehow yeah. the best you can, uh, which is impossible to do 100% with a guy like Kelsey. Uh, but I think the main thing you need to look at here is uh, monitoring his health. And let's just hope that he doesn't miss extended time. I don't anticipate that. I would think he's back week two uh, because I think this is one of those situations where in this game coming up this week for a playoff game, he'd probably play because a guy like Kelsey is just as valuable as a decoy uh as the next guy up would be at 100 percent. so mm-hmm. if this game really mattered he'd be in probably that'd be my guess but this game doesn't really matter the chiefs are probably going to cruise the playoffs so he's not integral to their plans this week yeah with an ex- with an extra game in the season there's a little bit less urgency on every single game especially week one especially if you're the chiefs you got to feel pretty good about your chances to get in the playoffs and then if you get in the playoffs you got to feel pretty good about your chances of getting through the playoffs uh also, a decoy, a decoy is only valuable until it's not. I mean, think about Brock Purdy in the uh, in the NFC Championship game. It's like as soon as they figured out, like, oh, he can't throw at all. Like mm-hmm. that decoy is not valuable at all. You might as well put really anybody else in there. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I don't think he will play Week One. If you're holding a player like Kelsey, you definitely don't drop him off your roster. Where I maybe would look at going with this is if you got a Week One matchup that you're pretty confident about, you think you could win. Uh, maybe look for just a high floor player, someone who you know is going to put up points, but, but won't burn, you know, won't really like kind of uh, won't be anything to write home about. If you've got a week one matchup that you were already a little bit shaky on, you're probably not going to win. Go the opposite direction. Just grab a high ceiling player, plug him in. And if he pops off, then you're going to win. If he doesn't pop off, you're not going to win and, and just kind of live with the result. My, uh, my move, I do have Kelsey in a league or two. Mm-hmm. My guy that I've I've pivoted to in a couple of leagues, just picked up as an insurance policy, is uh, Dalton Schultz of the Houston Texans. 
Mm-hmm. It's gone mostly undrafted in most leagues, unless it's a very super deep league. Uh, I think he's one of those guys coming into the season with a rookie quarterback. Rookies, rookie quarterbacks love veteran tight ends that are sure-handed pass catchers, uh, especially on that team where there's there's not a lot of fighting over the targets. There's not a lot of talent yep. really on that roster yet on the offensive side of the ball. And he's probably going to be more of that higher floor guy. And that's that's probably the best scenario you can get right now, replacing trying to replace Jay, uh, Travis Kelsey in a week one lineup because you don't even really know where to take the big swing on. Uh, most of those guys probably got drafted for high upside. So, yeah. Uh, moving on so we can get a little bit deeper into fantasy here. Uh, one more yeah, piece from, of news. From a decoy to a depoy. From a decoy to a depoy. I like that. That was good. Uh, depoy, Nick Bosa, five years, 170 million, resets the market uh, for, for edge rushers. Um, highest paid defensive player of all time. He's going to suit up for week one. Obviously not affecting fantasy lineups all that much. If you have the Niners defense, helps a little, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have... Who would it be? The who are they playing week one? Who are the uh, they're playing, playing the Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers? If you have Kenny Pickett for some reason, then it probably affects you. Uh, but I don't know why you would have Kenny Pickett. That was just you just already did bad if you have Kenny Pickett. So, well, we'll um, tease it. Maybe you got a super flex league. Uh, we're going to talk about I that suppose. in just a second. So, yeah, but I mean, you're the Niners guy. Anything to just you know, you got a quick tag for Nick Bosa or you want to move on? Yeah, I mean, we were waiting for this to happen. Niners fans were. We're hoping this would happen as soon as possible so that it could get on the field for week one. And and it did. So yeah, again, mostly impacts if you like to bet on games. Uh, I'm sure this bumped the line yeah. a little bit. I haven't seen what the bump is exactly yet, but it gives you a little more confidence in the Niners team in general. This probably this probably affects the betting line a little more than fantasy. That was kind of uh you were you were sort of Ricky Bobby in it before that. You're like, I don't car run real good. We you know, hey, we expected him to come back. He came back. I know what mm-hmm. to do with my hands. I don't know um, that it will impact betting all that much, even like Super Bowl odds for the Niners and stuff, because this was projected to to happen mm-hmm. anyway, really. So, cool. Let's move to fantasy. So this uh, sure. this is going to be an interesting last thing. Last time you guys talked about best ball. Uh, this week we're going to just talk about alternative formats. So, uh, sort of the premise of the show, you know, making money in sports. One of the things that I always look for in any money making opportunity is like, is there a different angle here? Like there are a lot of really good fantasy players. So especially if you're getting up into like bigger money leagues and um, really trying to make money playing fantasy, I think like the, a great way to do anything is just take a different angle on it. Um, so I think what we're talking about today is a little bit different angle on fantasy in a different format of a super flex league. Yeah. Yeah. Super flex is my preferred format of fantasy football uh, for season long fantasy football. That is uh, it's something that, gained a lot of popularity in the last two or three years. And I jumped on that train and I think it's, it's becoming more and more popular. I, I think it's on a trend to maybe become the most popular format. If we were to project out the next, uh, you know, in, in five years into the future, you need a little time for the casual, more casual players to kind of catch yeah. up to what it even really is. Well, I think that what it, I think that what's uh, popular about it or what makes it popular is that it revalues quarterbacks. So to people who are more casual fans, uh, it's just a lot easier, honestly, to play in a super flex league. Um, and yeah. it like the, the people who are sort of entrenched fantasy football players and have been doing this for a really long time, it shakes up their strategies and sort of like resets resets the game a little bit uh, for someone who's new to come in. So uh, I think, 
you know, I think that's kind of why it's popular, but yeah, I think you've got two lineups here. So we're going to break down these lineups. I'm just going to ask you some questions about them. So if, if anyone there out there is playing in a, uh, a super flex league or, you know, for their first time playing in a super flex league, they probably already did their draft. Uh, but just understanding the format of super flex and why you do certain things uh, is helpful, I think. So mm-hmm. first up, first question I want to ask you is both of these lineups you're sporting in your super flex spot. So that spot that says Q W R T, which is a quarterback wide receiver running back or tight end, you are sporting a second quarterback. So both of these two starting lineups have two quarterbacks and one of them, you have Justin Fields and Brock Purdy. And the other one you have Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. I think I played in super flex with you. Like maybe the first time you played with it, maybe the first time you played in Superflex, and you did not used to run two quarterbacks. I think I like ran two quarterbacks and you're like, I guess that's a strategy you could do, but let's talk about that first. Yeah. There, there's a million strategies, a million ways you can skin this cat when it comes to Superflex. I think that's one of the reasons why people like it so much. These two teams are actually from like sister leagues, like twin sister leagues, exact same <laughs> format, exact same roster settings. Um, as you can tell by all the positions there, uh, so they're clones of each other. And this, these are two different rosters that I drafted here. And there is a little bit of a different philosophy in this uh, team building. I do have quarterbacks in, in both of the super flex spots right now. That's not guaranteed to be the case every single week, but to but your why point earlier, by double quarterbacks. With, yeah. With quarterbacks being revalued uh, there, at least in this league, the, the way the settings are in this league, the positions are pretty well evened out. You can see that, you know, no player regardless of position is really outscoring uh, the equal types of talent at different positions, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but still quarterback at a certain point is uh, it, it's a, it's a position you need multiple of in a super flex league because it's just, it, it is viable in another spot in your lineup. So to have mm-hmm. two or three quarterbacks on a regular fantasy roster is usually not the smartest thing you can do unless unless the value just is perfect when it comes to Superflex, you need options. And, you know, we're all of course going to be drafting receivers and running backs, uh, you know, through our bench, but yeah, you can see here. I mean, just looking at the projected, you know, it's not a, it's not an end all be all, but you can see projected from two different things. I have a plug in here from uh, fantasy pros and from Yahoo. These are the two different projections for week one, even Brock Purdy, who's not held up as a shining example of a, you know, a QB you want to start in your fantasy lineups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he does crack the top 20 as far as production he could put out in week one and season long, even, uh, even though here they say he's QB 24, uh, you can see yeah. by projected points, he, he he's likely he's... to outproduce the guys who are on my bench, except for yeah. maybe this other quarterback who's young, who, uh, who would be another flyer. So yeah. um, that, that, that's, that's my quick yeah, I mean, version of guys like there. Khalil Herbert and stuff. So, so though, and, and I think that what it is, is uh, because it's sort of rebalanced a lot of the scoring uh, compared to a lot of format, like kind of the traditional format. Mm-hmm. The reason that two quarterbacks works is it gives you sort of like this foundation to work from quarterbacks get touches, right? So running backs and receivers game script can affect their performance a lot and they can have these boomer bust sort of performances. And, you know, somebody who's high touch like a Derrick Henry, he's going to get touches for sure. Uh, But there's just there's very few people like that that are like. I, that's a receiver that is going to get 10 targets rain or shine, no matter what, no matter any games game script, you know, there's just not a lot of receivers like that. And furthermore, there's not even really a lot of running backs like that. There's, there's very few quarterbacks will get touches on every play. 
So that's that, that that kind of like lays this foundation for like if you believe that the quarterback is a good player and they're going to do good things when they get the ball, they're going to get the ball every play. Uh, so it kind of gives you sort of a lower floor to put two quarterbacks in. And this league is going to be about as uh, stingy as you'll ever see for the quarterback position. Uh, quarterbacks are nerfed really hard in these leagues. Mm-hmm. So uh, usually these same quarterbacks that you're seeing on the screen right now, they would be even more separated from the rest of the positions. So really when it mm-hmm. comes to a two QB league, which means you, you absolutely have to start two quarterbacks every week or a super flex league where you just have the option to start a second one, it's almost always going to be your best bet unless you miss out on, on most of the, the talented crop. You know, I, uh, you know, there's 32 starting quarterbacks. You can assume there's 32 quarterbacks playing every single week. Uh, as long as you have, two of the top 20 in a super flex league, you're going to want to start two quarterbacks. If you really missed out on your opportunity to, to strike while the iron's hot and, and pick up a second quarterback in that range. And you, you wind up with, you know, maybe a, a top 15 quarterback and then, you know, maybe two more guys that, that are near the very bottom of the league. Well, then maybe you have a little bit more to consider. Uh, yeah. You, you consider your, your, your alternative options as in, you know, maybe some guy like uh, Marquise Brown on the bench in here, who I think, is uh, he's a pretty boomer bust option, but if he booms, yeah. he's like he likely could outproduce Purdy. You know, he could have a multi yeah. multi touchdown game, and Purdy is going to have a hard time competing with that. Uh, the way that scoring is set up in this league, at least. So yeah, so that's the next thing I want to talk about is uh, you. Let's talk about your your sort of like portfolio of wide receivers here. So wide sure. tights. Um, so on one, let's start on this one: Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown since you brought up Marquise Brown being boomer bust in Jordan right. Addison, what are you in Superflex and, and maybe this isn't all that different than it is in traditional, but what are you looking for? Like why those four, what are you looking for in terms of like what you draft and what you play on a week to week basis? Uh, and is it always just like play whoever has the highest projected or do you actually think about like the four of them as they relate to each other? Yeah, it's a, a bit more of a portfolio approach. A lot of times that does just happen to line up with the highest projected options. Uh, but yeah. for this team in particular that you're pointing out here, uh, I, I have both these up, by the way, just to kind of show the contrast of the two different mm-hmm. strategies that are that are in play here. The big thing about this team in a Superflex league is I have essentially two quarterbacks in the top five. You, you use two high picks on quarterbacks on that team. Right. And uh, on my first pick was even on a running back in Austin Eckler here, I believe. Uh, so running back isn't where I had to make sacrifices. It ended up being these wide tight spots. Uh, for those who don't know, this is just wide receiver or tight end. Uh, they're all the same in this league. So yes, there is a, a specific strategy I'm trying to do here. These first two guys, they were the first two drafted Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, not exactly who you're looking for as far as, you know, your wide receiver one and two, especially when you have to start, four or five of them in lineups like mm-hmm. these. Uh, but again, every other position is stacked. Quarterbacks, absolutely stacked. Running back, Brees Hall is the third guy I have here, um, yeah. depending on which way you cut it. But the first two picks, because of other positions being stacked, I'm just looking for volume. I'm looking for guys who are going to get the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to get targets. They're Debo, uh, for example. Debo is going to get touches. He's going to get 
not just targets, touches as well. Yeah, he's going to get opportunities to run the ball probably. They're going to get the ball in their hands a good amount. Uh, so I really need a stabilizing force within my wide receiving core. I can't just take four dart throws and hope that some of them pan out or all of them pan yeah. out. I need some stabilized production, which I'm hoping I can get from Debo and Chris Godwin, assuming they both stay healthy. That's probably the only reason they were still available where they were. So I got to load up on those guys and kind of stabilize the room first. Then I look to take some more shots on these boom and bust type of players. Marquise Brown being a veteran in the league uh, who who retains that that archetype of being boomer bust week to week. Um, he's also going to receive a lot of targets in the Arizona offense because there's not a lot of competition for targets there. But we still don't even know who the quarterback will be there. So he still falls in this category. Very boom, very bust. He runs a lot of deep routes. That's just the way mm-hmm. the game is played for a guy like him. Then I just took a bunch of dart throws on rookies in Jordan Addison here. Uh, followed by Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnson and Rashi Rice. Those are four really talented, uh, probably four of the the top you know, six or seven uh, rookies you'd be looking to get at receiver. So mm-hmm. I don't need them all to pan out. I just need a couple to. And mm-hmm. between them, I can at least, even if nobody really jumps off the page compared to the other ones, I can work my matchups uh, while I mm-hmm. have these guys more in my my uh just kind of glued into place if you will right and in, in, as a starter so yeah no and i mean so there's a couple different portfolio approaches to the wides because they're like the most volatile position really maybe yep. even more so than running backs is like you like that like can i get a few guys who are slot guys who are going to get targets game in and game out no matter who's covering them no matter what the matchup is they're going to exactly. get touches and then you know can i draft this is a this is a classic casey strategy can i get two staples and then can i draft four dart throws and i just want one maybe two to emerge as like they they boom more often than they bust you know um so let's go to the other side there like what's your what's your point what's your wide wide type portfolio looking like over there yeah so over here in comparison uh just team team wide obviously quarterbacks not quite as strong at the first glance and uh running back in the same spot really because you know i have Brees all over here down in the the flex position He's one of my starting running backs over here. Not as many options at quarterback and running back. This is kind of the exact opposite build where I'm super deep and super strong, super top heavy at receiver. Yeah. One of the top two receivers, no matter how you cut it on this squad, Justin Jefferson. He's actually a keeper in this league, uh, followed by another, again, no matter how you slice it, another top 10 option. Very rare that you, you have two top 10 options at wide out. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams like to get one of those guys early. Uh, when you have a chance to snag them, it, it makes that that room for you loaded. In this kind of league where you have to start so many, I actually really like having this kind of build if possible. But you see it does hurt you at other positions. Uh, meanwhile, another guy like Chris Godwin, who is over here, he goes yeah, from being wide receiver two here to wide receiver three. So again, guys, you just feel more confident in to put up general, like generally good numbers on a weekly basis. I'm three deep there and probably yeah. even four deep with a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, whose best days are almost for sure behind him uh he's an aging guy he's moved to a less explosive passing offense in tennessee but i see him as a very high floor player and in week one i'm plugging that into my lineup just because i believe he will get plenty of targets and he'll be stable for me and i'm giving the guys on my bench or a guy like dj Moore uh, a chance to show me that he he has a high ceiling but he's much more volatile um Mm -hmm. he's still the best option i have for this flex spot so this is the strength of this team is receiver i am five uh, very comfortable with all five of these guys and i think i even grabbed uh yeah marquise brown here as my sixth receiver 
Whereas over here, he's the third. Uh, you can just tell that this is this is a better receiver roster uh, by a mile. Yeah, it's just going to be a matter of question. Lighter in, lighter in the quarterback category, but though for sure. Okay, so yeah. let's move on to running backs. How do you build the running back portfolio? That's kind of question one. And part two is like, do you build the running back portfolio based on what happens with the receiver portfolio or vice versa? Like, are the two related to each other or do you kind of build them out as two different portfolios? Especially in a, a league like this, all the positions are related into one another. You're sacrificing one position if you're you're using your high draft assets on other positions. That's just the truth mm -hmm. of it. Uh, and running back historically traditionally is known as the most important position in fantasy football i do subscribe to that philosophy in general uh doesn't mean you have to take them all at the very top of the draft it just means you kind of can't be screwed at that position that's really all you're looking to avoid so you need value and obviously there are some guys that you can see i've, I've drafted in both leagues here uh Brees hall being a guy of value he falls sometimes into like the fifth sixth round because he's not maybe 100 here in week one but he is going to play week one. We're not missing games from him. And he's probably a top five back in talent uh, coming off of an electric rookie season that was just cut short by injury. I mean, this guy, he's going to have an awesome career. If he can stay healthy, I will take him as early as, you know, maybe late second round in like a 12 team league. Uh, when it comes to a, you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round, it's an auto smash almost. Um, and then there's another guy here. I'd point out like a Devon a chain, you need guys, again, the 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 theme when it comes to running backs is get your value. Devon A-Chain is a guy you can pick up in the later rounds of just about any draft. And he has extremely high upside. And at a certain point, you have to take shots on guys like that because if other people do and they hit on those shots, it's going to be very hard to compete with them. So mm -hmm. that's what we're looking to do here when we take a guy like A-Chain in an explosive Miami running game. There's another injury in that backfield that creates opportunity. He's a young rookie with blazing speed, one of the fastest rookies in the draft, paired with uh, the perfect running system to utilize that speed. He's behind the starter Raheem Mostert now, another just top speed guy in the league. They have that outside zone scheme from the Shanahan offense. Basically, those guys find a seam and they can just be off the races for a 70-yard score at any point, and that, that makes your week right there. If he does that a couple times, you know, in the first few weeks, if nothing else, even if I don't want to start him, he's a trade piece then. So that's how you mm -hmm. get value is you find the late guys you want to take a shot on. Uh, you still want some some guys with a higher floor. I find that to be like Brees Hall, uh, you know, Austin Eckler, Javante Williams, uh, Zach Charbonnet, maybe. Uh, but you got to have some guys you take shots on, like these Khalil Herbert, Stevon A. Chain types of guys. So that's, so that's how I would go about building that room. Yeah. Who, who's like, maybe, uh, can you, can you rattle off maybe off the cuff just for people? Cause, cause I mean, part of this is like taking those shots is like, you, you gotta be deep in it, you know, study enough to know who you want to take your shots on. Um, so that's another, I think, thing, thing where, you know, shows like ours can help people. Who are people that are, who are some players in the running back position who are probably like maybe still streamable in a lot of leagues, right? Like they they didn't get picked up in the draft, uh, but like keep an eye on them because they are, they would have been those boomer bust late rounders. Uh, and if they start to look like they're getting touches, then it might be a good time to pick them up. I think the most helpful thing I could say to, to people who, who need advice around that is you've, you maybe missed the boat a little bit already. Those high upside guys, especially at the running back position, they will be picked through by the end of the draft, whether it's, the last mm -hmm. round or a few rounds before that almost independent of roster size. That's the one position where people know they'll need extra bodies because they go down to injury 
so much more frequently than other positions. So if you find yourself like, you know, trying to get some value off the waiver wire now, uh, you're going to be wanting to take big swings on guys who just do show out in week one, let's say. If you find mm-hmm. that you don't have enough good bodies at, at, at running back, you know, most drafts are, are over at this point. You need to feel secure in taking a shot on the on whoever explodes that we didn't expect in week one. You know, that yeah. that uh, that committee guy who just had a bigger role than we expected or the uh, the running back who, you know, finds himself taking over a starting role because somebody probably will go down this week. Some some mm-hmm. starting running back will probably go down. So there's going to be opportunity for somebody. And week one is when you need to be the most aggressive in working the waiver wire because yeah. any asset that you get from from after week one, that asset is valuable to you for the remainder of the weeks, the rest of the season. A lot of mm-hmm. people think they kind of have to just wait and see stick, stick with these guys that they've drafted. And if, especially if you don't feel good about one position, you need to make the changes quick. You need to be the first one to those changes. Cause those opportunities are going to dry up. Running back is one of the easier positions to predict as far as production goes. So, like I said, honestly, if your draft is over, you've probably missed out on your opportunity to feel super secure if you don't already. Uh, but the next chance will be post week one, just absolutely going and grabbing that guy who yeah. you know everybody's going to do it. And if you're in some kind of league with a fab system, which means you you kind of bid and you spend a certain amount of your budget on a player, you got to go really aggressive. I mean, you could go spend thirty to forty percent of your your fab on some guy that that might not feel right on, but you got to make that room right. That it, it is the most important position in fantasy, and, and you got to play that way. So uh, a couple other questions on waiver wires and position groups. So uh, first of all, like on waiver, is is there a position group that you think is like easiest to stream and easiest to work the waiver wire on in? Yeah, not even accounted for in this league. Uh, it's kind of a new fashion type of thing where kickers and defenses are removed. Uh, but team defenses are probably the easiest thing to stream. Okay. But you know, if you're going up flex. against the Chiefs. Yeah, you know, if you're going up against like the Chiefs with a team defense, team defenses are still in most leagues, by the way, whether it's super uh-huh. flex or not. Uh, so I do think that's the easiest to stream. If you're going up against a, a high-powered offense, you don't want to play that defense, no matter mm-hmm. who they are, really. Uh, besides that, you know, streaming t- for like guaranteed production, it's pretty hard no matter where you are. Uh, yeah. Quarterback. St- st- streaming maybe isn't the right word. Just working the waiver wire. Is there like a position group yeah. where it's a little easier? Typically receiver, uh, depending on, mm-hmm. on roster formats here, obviously there's a lot of receiver spots we have to account for. So it's a little bit tougher in leagues like this, but most of your leagues won't look like this. They don't have www all the way down here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity because there's just so many players who, who are relevant at that position in the league. I mean, just yeah. do the math. There's 32 teams and most teams have three guys who are, uh, you know, viable options more or less uh, for fantasy somewhere in there, at least uh, that that's, that's the quick math version I would do. That's almost a hundred guys. They're yeah. certainly not all rostered already. There's some of those guys are question marks. Some of them will break out in the way that we didn't expect. And uh, similar to the running back advice, I'd say, you know, if, if that's the weak position for you, then you need to be aggressive in adding anybody who does break out, not a guarantee. They'll be great all season, but mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta go ahead and, and feel, feel, okay in taking a risk there so and then uh last one if you are like let's say you found yourself op in a position group so based on what you're saying i would assume that if you find if you after the draft are pretty overpowered at the receiver position group Mm -hmm. working the trade market might be the move for you right because you're going to be able to work the waiver wire 
on receivers later in the season. And if what you have right now is an abundance of receivers and you had to sacrifice running backs and or quarterbacks to do that, then maybe it's time to move some of those receivers for some other value at some other positions that are going to be harder to work the waiver wire on later in the season. Would that be accurate or not? Yes. Well, yes and no. I mean, the, the dirty truth about fantasy football, as much as we all love it, a lot of people find themselves in leagues where trades just don't happen all that much. So those yeah. leagues aren't as fun. That is the reality of a lot of like home leagues, what, what are called home leagues, just uh, yeah. non-professional people just playing with each other for fun, basically, maybe for small amounts of cash. Um, if you are in a league where trades happen quite a bit, it's actually pretty similar to the NFL. You want to look for... I would say don't don't force any trades early. You know, even if you feel like there is a glaring weak spot on your team, as long as you do feel like you are loaded, like for instance on this roster on the left, uh, where here I'll, I'll get us out of the way here, uh, where you can see, I mean, like I said, I'm super deep at receiver here. I got a guy like Marquise Brown sitting on the bench. I'm six receivers deep. I could afford to uh, to part with one of those guys, but why would I do that right now? Where everybody in the league feels pretty comfortable because we just ended the draft. Yeah. The right time to try to get a trade out for to 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 win a trade really is wait until somebody's you know one of their starting receivers goes down just like in regular yeah. football that's when players get on the move because a team can actually extract some value take advantage of another team's uh, poor you know poor fortunes or by the dip like if somebody isn't getting the value they thought they would out of their third fourth fifth fifth pick you know, because they had a slow week one or week two, it's a good time to buy the dip. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I think that's fantasy superflex. Is there anything else yeah. you think uh, is important to know specifically about the superflex format? The superflex format, just in general, it's always going to, it's almost always going to benefit you to try to stack quarterback a little bit more than you normally would, especially if you're you're newer to superflex. Uh, you'll find yourself sitting without any good quarterbacks if you wait too long. I mean, in, in most leagues, a good competitive player, you know, one QB league, you might be able to wait till round six, seven to take your starting quarterback, and that's fine. And you might not even need a backup. You know, if you can get a guy like Trevor Lawrence, for example, goes like sixth, seventh round sometimes in certain kinds of leagues. If I have a guy like him, I don't need a backup on my squad. I don't care if it's a one QB league. If you bring that same mindset into Superflex, and at this point we're past draft season, uh, but if you brought that mindset into your super flex drafts, you're probably sitting in a bad place at quarterback, whether you know it or not yet. And if you didn't know, you're going to find out the hard way real soon. So the same thing applies uh, as far as advice goes. You're just waiting for somebody to pop off, maybe like a, a Sam Howell, a Bryce Young, one of those younger rookie guys who either are still available on your waiver wire or would be easier to trade for because there's somebody else's QB3, mm -hmm. QB4 maybe. Uh, you want to just make a move quick on those guys before they establish their value really firmly over the course of like multiple weeks where they do really well. And uh, you also don't want to miss out on, on that advantage of having two good quarterbacks uh, for too long. So yeah, make your moves quick in that scenario for sure. I like it. Um, all right. So let's move on to some betting. Let's do, let's, let's talk about game game betting week one uh, of the NFL here and, or game bets for week one of the NFL here. And, uh, maybe a couple prop bets. So looking, we've got odds and money lines out on, or we've got spreads and money lines out uh, on, on all the bets for week one matchups. As you're looking across that, what is, you know, kind of some of your favorite value bets here? 
yeah, I think I think we'll probably uh, just go through each matchup here. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. we can hit, we can hit that. So uh, we'll have to be quick then. All right, so yeah. week one matchup one: Detroit Lions, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, minus four point five spread in the Chiefs' favor. Um, or sorry, I guess six and a half point spread in the Chiefs' favor. Looks like something um, was probably moved and not updated correctly. So we can just yeah. assume it's somewhere in there. 5.5 maybe. Four, yeah, 5.5, four and a half, six and a half spread there as of the time of making this. Uh, we've got the the Lions at plus, or we got the Chiefs at minus 250. So that's $100 bet to make uh, 250 if you if you uh, bet on the Chiefs. 205 on the Lions. So, sorry. 100, if you bet on the Lions, $100 to make 205 uh, I actually like this as a value bet. I don't hate the Lions. I don't really think they're going to win. Uh, but if you're looking for a value bet, I do kind of like the money line of like, you can double your money here. You think they can and, cover the spread is what, is what you're saying. And I don't know if you can bet the spread on the money line, actually. But uh, you, yeah, I just, I just like it as a value bet. Whether it is to cover the spread or for the win, I like the Lions in I don't necessarily, if they do lose, I don't think they're going to cover a six and a half point spread. I think if they lose, it's going to be worse than that. Um, I think if it's within six and a half points, then the chiefs have played pretty bad and there's like a good chance the lions could win. Uh, but I just like it at, at a plus two Oh five. Honestly, I don't think the lions are that bad. I think they're better than a lot of people think. I think they're better than essentially a lot of people are betting right now. And the chiefs, the, the way that these odds are played out is that it's just based on how people are betting. And I think people overbet the chiefs. So I think you can always look for good value bets on the, against the chiefs. Uh, that said, you're going to lose plenty of them because the chiefs will win. But look, if you, if you bet, you know, every time against the chiefs and there was a two Oh five money line, a plus two Oh five money line. If you won more than half of them, then you'd end up right side up at the end of the season. Yeah. I hear where you're coming from. Sometimes just or, the, sorry, the way I numbers shake. Go ahead. Set. Go ahead. Sometimes just the way that uh, certain bets just seem juicy based on what you can win. It seems like the right bet to make. I tend to lean the other way here. I mean, the chiefs are pretty sound favorites for a reason even with Travis Kelsey potentially not playing. I think that's probably what happened, by the way, here is they changed the line because Kelsey might be out. Um, so that's they probably switched it from uh, six and a half to, to four and a half point spread, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that the Chiefs are, are going to win this game pretty handily and probably by more than five, six, seven points, even if we're rounding up that 6.5 to seven. Uh, I, I would think that they win by a touchdown here for sure. So... Mm -hmm. that that'd be that'd be my thing i would i would bet on the chiefs here um but I'm, not my probably not my favorite opportunity either way just it's because not a, it's kind of murky it, we don't know that, they, might switch their, they might switch their game plan completely with with travis kelsey being out where they just you know want to kind of establish the lead and run the ball yeah uh, and kind of run the clock out which is not really what we see from them but yeah you know, this is the first time we don't have like a premier target for pat mahomes in a in a kansas city chiefs lineup that that's the other reason I kind of like the money line on the Lions. Uh, it's not a high value bet for sure at minus two fifty. You got to bet two hundred and fifty dollars in order to win a hundred. Basically, is what that mm -hmm. means. Uh, I mean, I don't love that. that. That's why it's like, yeah, you could bet on the Chiefs and they might win plenty. Uh, but it's just they're not high value bets, and every time they lose, they're just going to cut into you so much, you know. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. This wouldn't be my favorite game to bet, but I don't hate this. Probably in my top five or six in terms of like. Take the Lions on a flyer, but don't spend too much because they will probably lose. Um, let's talk Panthers, Falcons. 
spread is minus three and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Looks like spread is minus three and a half. Money line is Panthers at plus 150. So, uh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, Odds so the line did move here from from minus two to minus three point five. The Falcons Couldn't started as, though, as the favorite; they're even half. more the favorite now. So, yeah, has to be a half, I think. So, yeah, minus three and a half. Uh, Panthers money line is plus one fifty, uh, meaning hundred dollars on the Panthers gets you one fifty if they win. I bet you like this one because you think the fa- Panthers are going to win this one. Yeah, I actually don't mind it here. I think that there's a lot that we don't know about the Panthers. It's uh, a young offense, young I think a young team altogether. Uh, at least it's, it's led by Bryce Young, a young guy, let's say. And the Atlanta Falcons, they have some talent on their team for sure, but we haven't really seen it come to fruition in the NFL here. So I guess I just I see this as an opportunity in a game where the teams seem pretty evenly matched. Uh, mm-hmm. Take the dogs. Why not? That those are the bets that make more sense to me in a game where the it feels like it's a coin toss who's going to win, yeah. and you're getting the benefit of the doubt on one side. Those feel like the bets that you might want to jump into. Yeah, I get you. I I would say for me, I probably I, I probably just wouldn't really. Uh, I would check on this one altogether just because I personally can't i i haven't like really looked into this game and these teams enough to like be confident in a bet here um but yeah i i mean it's not a bad principle to go like you know find those 50 50 games and then find where you've get where you get a good value one way or the other um if you do that every week with all of them then you know if you're right about them being 50 50 games then you end up right side up in the end right if you look at it like a portfolio of betting um let's go Bengals, browns the orange the battle of the orange i think we're at mm-hmm. Minus two and a half points for the Bengals uh, on the spread. I don't think the spread is a great bet here. Um, money line is Browns at plus 118 and Bengals at minus 140. I think the Bengals are a great value bet here. I agree. I, the, the Browns are one of a handful of teams that seem to come into every season overhyped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly, they haven't really ever established much success just as an overall franchise they've made the playoffs once in the last few decades is all and Mm -hmm. that team was pretty different than the one that's taking the field now i'm not saying they're a terrible team but you know they they don't belong anywhere within sniffing distance of the Bengals, who's perennially a top five team in the nfl so yeah uh yeah i'm hard on the Bengals here this is one of the better bets i think you could probably at only minus 140 for the Bengals. i love the money line on the Bengals on this one Mm -hmm. um all right jags versus colts uh i don't have the spread here because it's spread has to be a half right but uh no i don't i don't think it does um i don't i'm not the most senior better either but it it doesn't have to be jags are favored by five here against the colts so at the colts as well so um Mm -hmm. usually as far as my understanding usually the home team gets about three points just given to them uh, but the Jags here favorites by five on an away trip to Indianapolis. So I don't know. What do you think of this one, John? I'm not, I, I would probably tap out on this one as well, but I don't like, I mean, just looking at the money line minus two twenty five on the Jags. Uh, I definitely wouldn't bet that it just doesn't feel high value to me at minus two twenty five. Uh, I do think they're going to win but it's just too much, right? It's too much on the money line. And I don't think the the Colts will cover a five point spread really. Um, And then on the other side of it is like, okay, well, do I like the value enough, you know, to bet on the Colts and take a flyer? 
Not really. They're only at a plus 185. So I, I think honestly, I would stay out of this one if I was if I was trying to make money. If I had to bet some way on this, I'd take the Jaguars. They're probably going to win, and I would make a pretty small amount of money on the bet. Uh, generally, I agree with you. I think I would expect the Jaguars to win this game. I would bet on them if I were forced to bet on this game. I just like the odds of that. I think five points isn't all that much. Uh, I think they'll, they'll win again by a, a whole score. I mean, these lines early on in the season, they tend to be really close because we just don't know that the professional odds makers, they don't know enough about these teams yet to to say, oh, no, for sure, the Jaguars are going to win by 14 points. You know, mm-hmm. every once in a while, when you see a great team that we know is a great team late in the season against a terrible team that we know is a terrible team late in the season, uh, you'll see some crazy lines. Uh, this is not one of those. I do expect the Jags to uh, win by more than five. Uh, but the Jaguars are a team that I have projected to take a big step forward. That's why I have that confidence. I don't necessarily believe in that with the Colts. Uh, so I would bet on the Jags here with, uh, you know, some pseudo confidence, let's say, but I feel more secure in, in seeing them in live action football, a real regular season game first, and just kind of do my scouting on, on the offense, just to kind of affirm my beliefs about this squad. But if you're feeling feeling a little froggy and you want to jump at it, uh, the Jaguars would definitely be where I lean here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So far, I'm not liking the spread bets on any of these. Uh, moving on to the. Well, I think I think it makes you feel weird because of that. Right. Because the, the mm-hmm. lines are so close now. It makes you feel like, hey, nobody's really confident who's going to win most of these games. It doesn't feel like it's a great bet either way because of that. But I think mm-hmm. that's where you have to just. uh find the matchups you like and and kind of just forget about the line right now honestly forget yeah you about... can't project the games very well in week one there's just not a lot of data but that's um, why you're getting such favorable lines even for the favorites you know they shouldn't yeah. only be winning by four points five points like the chiefs things like that uh but that won't be the case later on in in the season you got to jump on those opportunities now where it's a little bit riskier still in the back of our heads we know they're not that risky their favorite still for some reason here at this point. yeah I, even when I we don't just, have much data i think i would probably do a lot of money line betting in in week one honestly and i would look at it like a portfolio of like okay look even if things don't really go the way i think they will i'll hopefully not come out too damaged this week and if they go even decently for me then i'll then i'll come out you know looking pretty good so bucks vikings uh spread at minus six i don't think i'd bet the bucks to cover a minus six spread or vikings at minus six i don't think i would uh bet on the bucks to cover oh no the bucks are yeah sorry i would not bet on on the bucks to cover a six point spread against the vikings in week one the money line is plus 210 for the bucks it's not compelling enough for me. I think the Vikings are a better team. I'm definitely biased, so I probably wouldn't bet against the Vikings. I would place a small bet on the Vikings, and I would win a pretty small amount of money here. Uh, if they win, which they probably will, at a minus 260 money line. Yeah, so this one is one of the uh, higher spreads we see so far, which is about the only thing that, that makes me hesitate at all, just because, like I, like I was, this is the flip side of the coin I was just explaining where you see so many games with a, a tight line right now that maybe shouldn't be. This one, for whatever reason, the odds makers see a good reason to make the spread quite a bit bigger. Uh, that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause. Uh, I would expect the Vikings to win, but we're talking about basically a whole touchdown here at this point. The Buccaneers, I do expect to be better than a lot of people think. 
so I I don't love this one as much as some other ones, but I still would bet on the Vikings here to cover six. Um, that that feels comfortable to me still, but uh, there's there's better matchups I think out there. Yeah. And I would sneaky watch for uh, you know I'll throw the Buccaneers as a team to watch and maybe have more faith in as weeks go by, as long as we see something to believe in. I, if they come out week one and look even okay or pretty good, I wouldn't attribute that. They're one team that I probably wouldn't attribute that to like a flash in the pan. I would think that's probably an indication of who they really are. I would mm-hmm. think they're going to get better and better every week because I think there's some good bones to this team. And I don't think old Baker is, is quite as done as some people think he is. I think he's still one of the top 25 quarterbacks in the league. And he can lead a team to uh, to maybe even the playoffs. You never know. Pretty terrible division. And, uh, you know, you're going up against, like, Kirk Cousins, who isn't necessarily, like, a a premier gunslinger himself. Uh, or at least he's not mm-hmm. seen as that way. So this is one of those matchups, I think. I mean, I wouldn't bet on them. But they might surprise some people. I, I wouldn't be as surprised in this one if the underdog came out winning. Do you think uh, it's a good value at, two, at plus 210? $100 to make 210. Yeah, I guess this isn't, again, it would have to be, this is another one of those teams I'm looking to, just like the Jaguars, I'm looking to affirm my beliefs. Uh, right now, they're just beliefs, and uh, and I don't love them yet. But if I see if I see something that, that makes me more sound in those beliefs, I'm going to assume it's actually a trend and not just uh, a blip. I think it's actually mm-hmm. trending towards their true identity, the Buccaneers, especially if they win this game, I'm going to say the Buccaneers yeah. are a good team then, not, hey, they got lucky in one game. Same thing with the Jaguars. If they win, they're a good, good team. Um, whereas a lot of people, I think, would attribute that to luck and then look to bet against them in the next week. Like, no way they can keep mm-hmm. this up. I'd be yeah. hesitant on that take. Okay, so we got Titans at Saints. Um, Saints minus a three-point... Saints are a three-point favorite here. Um, mm-hmm. Titans plus 140 so 100 to make 140 saints minus 165 so 165 to make 100 what do you like here you know i haven't looked at all of the matchups in totality as far as like the betting lines and the spread here uh but so far this feels like one of my favorites the titans their identity in the nfl is really one of like mediocrity at this point this just everything that we can use to project you know they just there's not a lot to get too excited about. There's still some good bones there, but I don't anticipate they're like a fantastic team. I would probably project they miss the playoffs. I think the Saints are probably just barely on the other side of that line. I would project they probably do make the playoffs. Um, and this is a good matchup for them. The Titans are also known as a team that kind of picks it up towards the back half of the season. Um, there, there's jokes about Derrick Henry that he's only good when snow is on the ground. <laughs> uh, which is it's just a joke of course but you know it, it's funny because it's it's relatively true over the course of like the last five seasons or so uh i would say he's significant... good all the time he's great he, when snow's on the ground he just gets rumbling it has nothing to do with the actual weather in my view it's just kind of like getting that 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 yeah. rumbling going he's even and, from game you know to you game, get you get up there in years it takes some takes some time to get the engine warmed up you exactly know? exactly a couple that. weeks and on the flip side the saints they've made quite a few changes they are looking to come out with a new identity and impress week one so they'll also keep their foot on the pedal if they are winning they're not going to play in my opinion they're probably not going to play super safe ball and just try to like you know nurture a lead and and drain a clock to victory 
think they're probably going to try to come out and win by multiple touchdowns, even if they're already ahead by, you know, 10 points, let's say at halftime. So as far as betting, you know, on who's going to win here and against even a small spread kind of thing, uh, the Saints are probably one of the juicier bets I see so far. So Saints to win, beat the yeah. spread. Um, yeah, I like Saints money line at minus 165. It's not too ridiculous to me. Um, but this is one of those, like we were saying earlier, staying intellectually consistent, taking a 50-50 game. I feel like this one's a 50-50 game, similar to Panthers-Falcons. Uh, so if I'm taking, like, looking, boom, 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 here are all the 50-50 games. Let me take the dog in that one. And then I don't have to win all of them. I just have to win enough of them, right? Or I don't even have to win half of them. I can win under half of them and end up right side up. So if that's the strategy, if that's the portfolio betting strategy of the week, which is kind of, you know, that's kind of what we committed to earlier or what I committed to, maybe you committed to it, but now I'm like, I'm on board with that. You sold me. Uh, then I'll go Titans at plus 140 here. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I think we know what to expect. I don't think I would bet and... this one. I don't think I would bet this one in all honesty, but if I had mm-hmm. to, that was that's what I'd go with. I, I think we know what to expect from the Titans. I think even in, in your view, that's, that's probably true. We've seen the, most everything we are going to see from their major pieces already. It feels yeah. to me like that's just more of a bet against the Saints, whereas I'm probably betting for the Saints, really. Right. Yeah. And it, well, it's just a bet that like I get 140 for 100. And if I do that, you know, on every 50 50 game, hopefully I'll come out right side up. You know what I'm saying? So um, next up Niners Steelers. I love the Niners on any, I mean, not to steal your thunder, but I love the Niners on, on the spread. I love them on the money line, a straight up bet on a two and a half point spread over the Steelers. I'll take that all day, every day uh, on the money line at minus 135. Like I'd probably put some pretty like, if I had a, a betting pool of a, an amount of money, I would probably put a pretty significant amount on the Niners at minus 135. So I'd go money line on this one, minus 135, and uh, I would put it on the Niners. Yeah, however you want to bet here. This one, you know, I, I am at Niners underscore fan man, so take it with a grain of salt. But this just feels like, I mean, who do we expect to win this game? Why, why are we? Why are the Steelers so high here? I mean, I think it's I, the people Steelers aren't sold are, are on Brock Purdy. People the, are just sold on Brock Purdy as you and I are, for sure. Yeah, not everybody is. That's for sure. I don't think you have to be to think the Niners are going to win here. They have the reigning DPOY. He he mm-hmm. is going to play. Uh, that, that should be a huge boon to the confidence of people betting for the Niners here. They were the number one defense in the NFL last year. Maybe they don't repeat as the number one, but I see no reason why they shouldn't be a top defense again. They really only improved. They lost a couple of people, sure, but... A lot of young talent that's probably improved in the offseason as well. So I think they're at least as good as they were last year. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they're uh, they're riding the high of a solid preseason. But the Pittsburgh Steelers were one of those teams where they have such young, you know, Kenny Pickett, for example, maybe some other key guys on the offense. They were one of the teams that chose to play some of their starters and some of their key uh, backups, some of their key secondary guys uh, against even like third stringers with because they just want mm-hmm. – some of those young guys to get the reps they need to, to feel more up to speed to NFL football. So I think there is a false sort of uh, floor that these guys are sitting on up higher than they should be. A lot of people are just riding that momentum and saying like, they look really good in preseason. And I agree. They looked great. That's not really indicative of how they're going to look against a top five team like the 49ers, you know, no. perennially. That's, that's not my fandom saying that they finish in the top five more often than they don't the last five years. So uh, I, this is a this is a tough call to action for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Their one saving grace is they're at home. Uh, that doesn't move me much, though. No. It doesn't move me much. At, at the very most, they might be able to slow them down and, and approach kind of covering the spread, but it's such a small line anyway. I, I just see no no actual hope for the Steelers uh, from a betting perspective, at least, you know, yeah. compared to these other matchups. This is probably my new favorite matchup. Yep. Okay. So next up we got Cardinals commanders uh, Car- commanders, seven point favorites. I had to go confirm it somewhere else. Cause we got two different numbers on what we're looking at, um, sure. but they are seven point favorite favorites. I uh, went and confirmed that elsewhere. Uh, Cardinals at plus two fifty on the money line commanders at minus three twenty on the money line. Of all the bets I've seen so far and said I'd probably stay out of them, this is probably the one I would stay out of most uh, because I just don't love a seven-point spread, honestly. It's a, this I mean, early in the season. Yeah, it's it's a decent-sized spread, and yeah, I get it that Kyler Murray's not playing, but I mean, the commanders aren't that good either. You know what I'm sh- saying? I should so. add some context here. So, one, the commanders are similar to the Steelers where they're coming off of a really uh, strong showing in preseason for – yeah. To be fair here, the same sort of reason. They they played some young starters where other teams wouldn't have been necessarily just to get them some more experience against some lesser competition, uh, the backups, the third stringers of other teams. So yeah. there is a little bit of that going on. But I think the main storyline here is that everybody knows what the Arizona Cardinals are doing, or at least they think mm-hmm. they do. Uh, this appears to be, by all, all indicators that we can go off of, uh, it appears that the Cardinals are tanking. Uh, mm-hmm. which you can never get full-blown confirmation on, especially yeah. this early, because there's they'll never outright tanking. say it, right? And yeah. there's 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 no player on the team who is tanking. But right. if the general manager trades away the talent, like he's done, in ways that don't make a lot of sense, they've traded away like a recent first-rounder for, I think, a fourth-round pick in Isaiah Simmons. That's a weird move, right? Um, and the guy hasn't been like a bust or anything. It seems mm-hmm. like they've picked through this roster and taking most of the talent away and they're eyeballing the uh the top pick just yeah. to get a, an extreme value next year in the draft and 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 really rebuild here probably separate from kyler next offseason if not during this season in some kind of mid-season trade that's why the commanders are so high here again though i don't love it <clears throat> the cardinals organization might be tanking in general but the players don't know that and they aren't going to try to do that no. and seven points on week one is a big spread I don't love it either, even though I fully expect the Commanders to win here. And maybe this isn't my least favorite matchup either. I think the Commanders can cover this spread based off all the stuff I just said. Uh, but yeah, not not probably in my top five favorite matchups. Commanders, another team, I want to see it happen in week one first. Mm-hmm. Then I'll feel like that's their actual identity. I think Sam Howell is a good underrated quarterback. You could win a lot of money, at least if they show what I expect them to show in week one, which is win by seven or more. I think you can win a lot of money betting on them in subsequent weeks for sure. Right. Not everybody um, is going to be a believer. Yeah. If I had to place a bet on every game, I would pay, place a very small bet on the commanders here. Uh, and I wouldn't win very much if they won. Um, but I just, I don't love Great. the spread. I don't love the money line. I don't love any of it. I don't love how much they're favored here. Yeah. <laughs> speaking uh, of how speaking much of, a team is favored. <laughs> yeah. We got the Ravens as 10 point favorites over the Texans. I bet you love this one, honestly, because you got a plus 360 money line. You got a 10-point spread. You got all kinds of ways to bet on the Texans, and you already picked the Texans to win this one. If I were hard-pressed to take a big swing on one of these big lines, one of these big juicy yeah. payouts, the, the plus 360 on the Texans does speak to me. Mm-hmm. The Texans, I think, again, the, the national narrative is similar to the Cardinals. 
think a lot of people assume they're doing some version of tanking, even if it's unintentional. Uh, they're just not there yet as a roster. They're early in a rebuild, year one in a rebuild with a new head coach, a lot of new personnel. They have some some quality to them on the roster, uh, but I, I agree they probably aren't there yet as a team. That said, you know, there's, there's a reason why this is a big swing. Uh, the yeah. Baltimore Ravens are probably going to win, and do you believe they're going to win by ten points? That's a that that's probably I haven't looked ahead that's at all. That's probably say. the biggest spread in the entire schedule this week. So that's what I was going to say. I think I I I think the Ravens are going to win. That's who I chose to win. But I do like the cut the Texans to cover a ten point spread. I probably would put my money on the Texans here on the spread. I'd I'd add this last piece to it just to add a little bit more faith. If anybody does want to take this big swing on the Texans. Uh, 10 points is a lot, especially when the Texans at least project to have more of a defensive identity in this year one under a new defensive head coach. If he's turned the defense around at least early enough, I mean, we might be talking the Ravens don't score much more than 10 points and in, in win this game. And they are mm-hmm. a team that you could see pretty easily run out the clock. Uh, yeah. Running has been their identity season after season. So if they find themselves up, you know, 17 to 10 in the fourth quarter, they're yeah. not going to say, "Hey, we got to go. Care. We got to go drive down and score." They They're don't care about thinking the spread. The Texans can't score anyway. We just need to grind this thing out and win the game. Yeah, that's the thing. The thing I don't like about spreads like ten points, fourteen points. They don't care about the spread. If they're up mm-hmm. like that, they they're not like you know. There's no motivation for them to score. Plus, All the right. Ravens oh. are going through an identity crisis now. They the whole yeah. offseason has been talking about how they want to pass the ball more, and maybe they'll be great at it. I actually think they'll probably be okay at it. Maybe great. Uh, but we haven't seen them do that with Lamar Jackson as the quarterback, really. Not right. really ever. Even his MVP season, this was mostly because of how well he could run the ball he, he and still pass fine, you know? Yep. All right, so next up we got pa- the the Green Bay Packers and and the Bears, the Chicago Bears. Uh, going from the biggest spread uh, to the smallest, Bears are one-point favorites in this game. Money line mm-hmm. is minus 105 on the Packers. Minus 115 on the Bears. So you're minus on both money lines. That's how close this game is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably, I mean, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think Which way do you go? You just got to go with guess. whoever you think is going to win this one. I'm not yeah. passionate about it, honestly. I think, who did I even pick? I know that you like a guy uh, yeah. in Jordan Love on the Packers. I think that's uh, that's where you've, you've landed on this one in our talks off camera yeah well i think uh, you know on our other show on triple cross i'm like you know hey i'm gonna be i'm on board with jordan love if i had to bet on it though i'd probably take the bears i do think they're probably gonna win i'm just you know i'm i'm team love i'm team love like Uh, jordan love has been in the league longer than justin fields but justin fields has a whole year of starting under his belt and Mm -hmm. i like the sophomore breakout in Justin Fields more than I like the what third, fourth year breakout of Jordan love when he's been yeah, just the, kind of ripening on the breakout. Yeah, right. The exactly. And I'm not, that's not to say that that can't happen. Maybe they, both I mean, it, it happened with I, his, uh, it happened with his predecessor for sure. You know? Yeah, for sure. It did. Uh, I don't have as much confidence in love as, as some people for sure. The national mm. media is pretty high on him because it's a team like the Packers. Everybody wants to love every year, just in general, yeah. even if you're not a big Packer fan, they get a lot of love. They're another one of those teams. They get a lot of love year to year. And the Bears have been so bad for so long, they kind of get a lot of hate, even if it's not necessarily due to them. Justin Fields did a lot of good things last year. And I don't yeah. mean that in, a, in an apologist type of way. Take whatever context you want. Justin Fields had good games. And you can't I mean, say that about many Bears quarterbacks in the last that kid 10, can 15 run the ball. years. 
He, and I think he can throw the ball. And now he has a new premier target in DJ Moore. I think that's the secret sauce. I know this isn't the fantasy section, but that's probably my highest exposure rate to especially a tandem. I have that tandem on multiple different fantasy teams. I think Justin Fields, DJ Moore, they might not be the biggest uh, combo of players, you know, the new breakout sensation, but I think there's a lot of value there and they're going to, they're going to score a lot of points together. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to bet the bears to beat a one point. The bears. Here. The bears to beat a one point spread. Uh, if they're going to win, they're going to win by more than one. I mean, I guess it's possible to win by one point, but like, how often does that happen? <laughs> like, almost never. It's very hard. Very hard to win by one point in football. It happens um, sometimes, you know. But, yeah, that's – I think they're going to win. And that that's one of those close matchups where I say you got to just pick who you, you want to win. And this early in the season, the odds makers don't know. If you've been paying attention and if you feel a certain way, if you feel that way about the Packers, bet on them. It's just a good matchup to get in on the bets probably. Yeah. All right. So we got Raiders and Broncos. Uh, I confirmed this one. It is a three and a half point spread, a three and a half point spread. So Broncos are three and a half point favorites over the Raiders. Uh, Raiders at one plus 158 on the money line. Broncos at minus 190 on the money line. I honestly just don't like the Broncos uh, at minus 190. It feels very low value to me. And I guess maybe I don't know if both you and I were I, I'm I'm a little higher on the Raiders than people than a lot of people. I'm I think Jimmy G's a good quarterback for uh, what the Raiders have, which is a lot of offensive weapons. So I like them at plus one fifty eight. And again, I think this is kind of one of those fifty fifty games. If I'm sticking with that, you know, I'm gonna go fifty fifty game. Give me the give me the dog on that fifty fifty game, and give me one fifty eight if I win. Yeah, I do think it is one of those. So many question marks in this game on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I feel fairly confident with most of the things I've said, whether I'm right or I'm wrong. I have some conviction in my beliefs, at least about most teams. And this matchup in particular has two of the teams that I have very little conviction on one way or the other. I don't exactly know how to project either of these teams, uh, especially them being division rivals, them probably being the bottom two teams in the, it's going to be a mucky, dirty fight. One of these teams might secretly be, uh, you know, again, the organization, some decision maker might even be pseudo trying to tank a little bit you know sean mm-hmm. payton has job security if they go if they don't win a, a game this entire season he's going to be there next year that's going to happen uh mm-hmm. so kind of in one sense why is he incentivized to win a lot of games this season when he could try to just get a good pick that's how a lot of new regimes start actually uh in as head coaches who have job security at least they don't want to win games that said i don't think that's really how anybody is looking at this game in your organizations both these teams have playoff aspirations i would assume but i don't know what their identities are going to be russell wilson is the biggest coin flip in the world right now in the nfl world that is and uh jimmy g outside of the kyle shanahan system another one who's who's he gonna be now that he's separated from that system He's had the benefit of being on two incredible different teams in the Patriots to start his career and the Niners. Now he's with the Raiders, who, you know, might be a part of Raider Nation. You might love them. I like Devontae Adams, solid player. Yep. But the Raiders are not really known for their team success, let's say. No. No, they're more successful when they go to Josh Jacobs, and hopefully they'll know to do that with Jimmy G. But yeah, you're right. It's like, what what are we going to see out of these teams? I don't know, but I do like the Raiders at plus 158. If it's 50-50, I'll take that plus 158 yeah. money line. Um, I like your take on it. 
I, I, I want you to bet that, and then you tell me how it goes. And yeah. I, I just want yeah. this is a matchup, a red flag to me. As far oh, yeah, as I, just, I just don't want to get in it at all is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I can't I can't create a narrative in my head that I'll feel strongly about it. I think as soon as I place the bet, it'll be one of those things where I go, I think I I'm the wrong way on it. I just, yeah. I, I just don't want to be a part of it. All right, so next one, we got Eagles and Patriots. We got the America game. Uh, confirmed this one as well. Eagles are four-point favorites in this game. Money line is minus 195 on the Eagles, uh, plus 162 on the Patriots. Uh, yeah, give me the Eagles. I don't, and I don't care which line, which way I'm betting. I mean, the Eagles to win, the Eagles to win by more than four points. Give me the Eagles. I mean, I don't know why the Patriots, honestly, are – this should be a higher spread to me. Minus yeah, four. It, it's just because it's week one, and I think you're. Uh, this is one of those matchups that illustrates uh, for you personally – uh, the principle I was trying to explain where if this matchup happens week 12, the spread more than likely is, you know, still in the Eagles favor by three times the amount almost. Yeah. Uh, that's just, if it goes the way I expect, but in week one, they're not quite that sure. Even though the Eagles were a top two team in the league last year and the Patriots, I mean, I, they, they didn't even have a, they were probably in the top 20. Uh, so this is one of those I would bet on, and it'd be for the Eagles. Bet it however you yeah. want. It feels it feels pretty safe. It's it's in the top top five of the matchups for me now. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Dolphins at Chargers. Uh, didn't confirm this. Chargers are either a two and a half point favorite or a Looks three. Like they're a three. They opened at a two and a half, and now they're a three. Okay. Uh, they are Chargers are a three point favorite. Uh, Dolphins plus one forty on the money line. Chargers minus one sixty five. I like Dolphins at three points. What do you think? This is one of those where uh, you kind of, I think we touched on it a bit in, in fantasy aspect maybe. There's some teams you want to win uh, regardless of whether you think they're going to win. And right. I think for me in particular, it's hard for me to separate uh, those those two views in this matchup in particular. I think the Chargers are a bit of a two-faced team. Last year, they disappointed. But generally speaking, most people think they're a good team, a playoff caliber team, just kind of year after year with, with the pieces they have. The Dolphins, I think, are that too. But I'm a little bit more just in on the Dolphins. There's a lot of pieces I really like. There's a lot of philosophies that I really believe in that the Dolphins subscribe to as far as just you know football philosophy goes. So I like the Dolphins here. I would bet on the Dolphins here. But I actually it's harder for me to tell in week one, at least where we don't have much to go off of. It's hard for me to tell if I'm doing that based off of a narrative I've created for myself, or yeah. if I really, really, if my football brain believe they are the better football team here where the odds makers who, you know, they get paid to do this stuff. They think the chargers are winning by three. Yeah. I mean, it's a, this is based on how people are betting. You know what I mean? Um, that said, I feel so, good enough about it to where I still probably, this is one I probably would pull the trigger on and bet because there's, this, the, you know, I we talk about making money. Yeah. We talk about making money. But if you do feel the way I just described about a team, do it. As long as you're not mm -hmm. betting your house, not betting your mortgage. Yeah. You know, if you if you're looking to make a hundred dollar bet and you have a hundred dollars to lose, you should only bet what you have to lose. By the way, yeah, uh, just good betting advice, not financial not financial advice, advice but yeah, but it's uh, please good, do good that. advice generally in life. <laughs> <laughs> and if you feel that way that I just said about a certain team, whether it's the Dolphins or not, those are those are ones that'll make you feel good if you do win, even more yeah. so, even more than the money value you want. I like I like Dolphins at plus one forty. Another fifty fifty game to me. Um, so again, if my my portfolio yeah. strategy is to bet the dogs on the on the fifty fifty games, uh, then then I'm going to take Dolphins at plus one forty. Uh, a particular set on. of dogs that I like there. So M let's move on. Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks are a 
four or a five point favorite looks like mm-hmm. um rams at plus 196 seahawks at minus 240 i actually don't hate the rams at plus 196 here i well, really don't like the seahawks at minus 240 it feels way undervalued to me um i do kind of think the seahawks are going to win but i don't think the rams are the Rams just had a really bad year last year, but I don't think they're a bad team. Like, I think they're a fine team. So we've had uh, rumblings, grumblings, whatever you call it, whispers, uh, yeah, things like that, about the Rams all offseason, and especially in the most recent weeks uh, leading up to the season here. Uh, fantasy players know that, that Cooper Cup has been a, a topic for discussion. Is he going to play? It, it just came out today officially that he's ruled out for week one. Okay, well, that I don't know if that moves you off of your position. Matthew Stafford is also <laughs> a massive question mark all the time. Any game he goes into, he's got back problems, right? So, especially yeah. without his favorite target in the lineup, I mean, I never hope for anybody to get injured, but if he takes a big hit, they might just sit him down even just to protect him. He's in that kind of condition. And when you mm-hmm. know he has such an electric uh, connection with Cooper Cup, you want to make sure he's healthy for those matchups where Cup is yeah. back. I think they, they could find themselves down 10 points at halftime and just kind of just concede the game in that in that case i like the seahawks at a minus four at the at a four point spread i think i like beat, them too beat, i think they'll beat that four point spread i like them too a lot of question marks on the Rams side though seahawks side i think we know who they are i think they're a good team i have them projected to be a playoff team uh by you know a, a wild card team but the rams are so many question marks they could also come out and impress us too that's mm-hmm. that's the thing is when when the the bona fide superstar isn't playing you want to just say the next guy could never possibly do what he does, but that's not always true. That's how people break out and become new superstars in the league is because of the opportunity where the number one guy is gone. A new number one guy steps in and sometimes they don't ever give that role back. Do I think Cooper cup's going to get supplanted as the number one guy in LA? No, but it's within the range of outcomes. If you know, if you want to write that narrative for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Next up we have Cowboys and giants. Cowboys are a two and a half point favorite. Uh, Cowboys minus 170 on the money line Giants plus 143 on the money line. Here's the thing. If you wanted to make money betting football last year, you bet the Giants on the spread. Uh, they did better than anyone else in, they were, they were just a better bet than anyone else, higher value bet than anyone else in football last year. So look, man, until they prove me otherwise, I'm going to keep it going. I don't think this is, uh, I, I do think this is another 50, 50 game. I like Dan Jones. I like Saquon Barkley. Uh, it's week one. Everybody's healthy. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, give me, give me giants on the plus plus one forty three money line to win. Mm-hmm. And you've already, uh, kind of outed me as a, they're Cowboys are the one team that I'm, I'm probably never really getting behind. Even if I believe that yeah, you wouldn't feel bet. good winning a bet on the Cowboys, especially at a minus minus one seventy money line. It's not a bet I'm making here. And, and yeah. largely because even if I do separate just how I feel about a certain team, when I take away those feelings, uh, my football brain does say what you just said too i think this is pretty much a coin toss type of game the 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 this is a the giants are a team that is easy to underrate because they haven't been great uh you know historically but last year was a really good year for them and they have all that same core here and on paper they don't look like they should be good so it's very easy to to uh sell them short the dallas cowboys on the other hand are just like a couple of other teams that i've pointed out no matter how you feel about them uh the way that they're projected to go season long before the season starts they almost never reach that bar you know they're they're perennially perennially a super bowl favorite and they haven't reached a super bowl since like 1990 something 
And I yeah, don't know how that keeps happening, but it's just because of the media machine. And I'm not saying they're not a good team. They've made the playoffs a bunch as well. So I'll give yep. them those kudos. But yeah, this early in the season where we don't have a lot of data to go off of, even the odds makers go off of narratives a lot. And the narrative is almost every year the Giants are not that good and the Cowboys are really good. Yeah. This year in particular, I think they're way more even. Up on the, I'm a little more up on the Giants, and I like them at, what, what is it, plus 143? Yeah, plus I like them at plus 143. So, um, yeah, give me the Giants on the money line to win it. And uh, I'll take the same. Again, again, portfolio betting that those 50-50 games, I don't even have to win half of them, and I can, I can still end up ahead. So, uh, next up, this is probably the hardest one for me to bet. We have Bills at one-point favorites over the Jets. Uh, Bills minus 145 on the money line, Jets at plus 122 on the money line. Uh, do you like the Jets enough to take a plus 122 or to take a one point spread? So, uh, most of the games that I thought were kind of red flag games to me, I don't want to bet on, I don't want any piece of it. Uh, mostly they've been, I mean, because... I wouldn't take a piece of this, but if you have to, uh, okay, well, I, let me get my disclaimer out real quick. Yeah, go ahead. This one is different in makeup because it, it's not a red flag because I don't really believe in either team and I don't really know what to expect from either team. I think I do know what to expect from these from these two teams. And I think it's I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. I think these are two really good football teams. And yeah. I think both teams want to come out and really assert themselves atop this division early. Uh, they're the two favorites probably to win this division, this NF, or uh, this AFC East division. And uh, I honestly have no idea. This is a coin toss to me, but both teams are so good. I think if either one of them just has a bad game, you could end up looking really silly and yeah. not just like losing, but losing, you know, on this like close, this close spread. I think you could end up losing by multiple scores on either way. You just never know. Yeah. Either team could be so explosive. They score every single drive. Yeah. That's how good they are. Taking the emotions out here for me. And with everything you just said, I do think the Bills are better. I do think they're going to win. But if it is a 50-50 game, then I have to stick with my portfolio strategy and take the dogs and the Jets at plus 122. Again, I don't even have to win half my bets if, and, and I can still come out ahead mm -hmm. if they're all 50-50 games like I think they are. The question is, do I think this one's a 50-50 game or not? You do. Sounds like you do. I do. I do. I'll follow you then. I'll take the Jets at plus 122. This is by far the highest caliber uh, pair of teams in what I would call a 50-50 matchup. And I got to say, good on the NFL schedule makers here in making this the first <laughs> Monday night game. I think Hold this on. is going to be the matchup of the did week. They, did the trade already happen before they made the, the – uh, did the Aaron uh, Rodgers, the Rodgers trade already happen Ro before yeah, yeah. they made the yep. schedule? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good on them. They knew what they Great were job. doing. Yeah. And it, it's going to be electric. These are – two of the most complete teams in the NFL. What's the strongest position group of any of these teams? Who's to say? All of them have great quarterbacks. They have good enough running backs at the very least. Uh, the Jets have great running backs. Uh, receivers, both sides have great receivers. Defenses included. Great <clears throat> defenses, too. These so, are two playoff-bound teams, in my opinion. So, and so this just is a to be cool clear. playoff matchup in week one on Monday night. So just to be clear, I think both of us would actually stay out of this action entirely. Uh, yeah. If I had to take somebody, I would take the Jets at plus 122. What about you? Yeah, I'd be with you on that one. Again, the Jets are just a team I have a little bit of a soft spot for. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm pulling for them a little bit. And that's not how you should bet. But in a game that you think is a total coin flip, 
I yeah. recommend using using your heart in those situations and those situations alone. Yeah. If your brain like tells it. you anybody could win, might as well go with the team you want to win. That's yeah, it. go with the team I'm that you feel better it. winning the bet with. You know what I mean? Exactly. Why not? Yeah. Why not? If you're determined to bet on it, mm -hmm. then that's the only way to do it. Yeah. And also just don't be afraid to stay out of action that you don't that you're not confident in. I mean, that's probably the best advice for actually trying to make money betting. Um but yeah, we, I mean, we're kind of playing a game here where it's like, ah, if we had to go in, you know, mm -hmm. this is what we would do. But I, I think it's, you know, smart for us to kind of say, this is the action we'd stay out of. That's definitely action we'd stay out of. I would just enjoy that game on Monday night with, with no money on the line, honestly. To recap, I'd say bet on the Saints, bet on the Niners, bet on the Eagles. Those Niners, those... Niners is where at least half of my betting budget is going this week, honestly. That's the best value bet of the week. And I would probably only feel confident enough in those three matchups I just said. Um, and yeah, whatever budget I have, I don't know how I'd allocate it, but it'd be across only probably those three matchups. I feel pretty good about those. And yeah. whereas it sounds like you probably would bet across more and try to win on a portfolio. I'm, I, yeah, I would put a lot of money on the Niners and then I would, I would probably use that portfolio st strategy of, of betting the, uh, the underdogs on the 50, 50 games. I'm with um, you. I'll go, I'll go with that 50% on the Niners and then just 25 on the other two. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I think that's it. That's the show today. Yeah, man. I had a ton of fun here. I uh, love talking NFL. I know that, uh, you know, selfishly, this is this is really nice for me that that, yeah. that we're starting this show. This is episode two of of Overtime Operators. Thank you all for uh, listening, for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, um, you know, if you are on YouTube, like and subscribe. Of course, we, we're, we're building this community here. Like John mentioned before, we are uh, we, we are hosts of another sports pod together where we do less talk about making money in sports uh we just kind of vibe out and and have fun fun silly times uh over on the triple cross podcast so if you're into sports podcasts and you're in on us which if you've been listening this long you probably are hopefully you are hopefully go check out the triple cross podcast because we have a fun old time over there yeah oh and i was gonna say i know you're excited uh for when the nba season will start so oh, yeah don't don't think we're only a football pod here, guys, because just it's just football season is all. And we're talking about making money in whatever sports. Uh football, basketball, those are the ones we know best. Daps, I think, knows baseball. Um, you know, so maybe we might not get into the MMA world and stuff like that, but but we're open to it. You know, we're just talking about like, hey, if you, if this is your hobby, if this is what you're into, um, you know, how can you make it more than a hobby? You know what I'm saying? Make it make you I some money. Make some I love dough. it. And one of these episodes soon, we'll get into the content side of things because I mean, oh, yeah. the way we chose to try to make money in sports is to start podcasts. So, what? How how honest would we be if we didn't uh, describe that as a potential way to make money in sports? As yeah, well? it's a pretty good way. Yep, <laughs> we like. Uh, it. All right, man. Good show. See you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.